Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Howdy, everybody. This is another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer, which I assume you already are a listener of. If not, welcome to the show. We are going to do our little rundown of legal news of the week from the perspective of Above the Law. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I am joined by my co-editor, Catherine Rubino. (laughs) You sound so hesitant and... and well, because technically you're a senior editor, so it's technically like co-senior editor, but I felt like that was a little awkward to, mm. you know, like it was a mouthful and I didn't want to have to do that. But the point is, you know, we're we're here. We're here. We've made it. Post, yeah. We've made it on the other side of election day. So everyone deserves prizes. Well, I mean, not... Well, I mean, we're not really on the other side of election day because all of the ballots haven't been <laughs> counted. And sure. As, yeah. So... Uh, well, I mean, but... Yeah, time no, is we, linear, we are, right? Yeah, no, yes, in a linear and quantitative universe, yes, uh, we are on the other side. However, that's not the universe everybody appears to be living in. So, well, okay, there's Doctor Who, obviously, for whom time right. is wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yes, and 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 apparently that version of time is one that uh, is shared by uh, several people. Yeah, so the election is over. Uh, This is our new format version of the show, which is kind of the same as our old format if you are one of those uh, returning listeners. It's a day later. Except it's going to be a day later, which allows us to record a little bit closer. Uh, So we're going to be a little bit more timely. So for those of you who've sent us things making fun of the fact that we say something that it becomes untrue, uh, (laughs) that still could happen, but it's far less likely. Yes, yes. So here we are. So we did this for you. You're welcome. It's always for you. Do um, for you, Damien. Yeah, and I, I don't know. We, we don't have comment boards at Above the Law anymore, but yes, based goodness. on the comment boards, Damien is not a bad descriptor for the average <laughs> Above the Law reader. But yeah, so anyway. Well, we survived Election Day. We did, we did, we did. Uh, we appear to have a president-elect. We do, we do, we do. Uh, and although, you had actually done some some research about how one actually gets determined to be the president-elect. Oh, yes, actually. that's So this is one of the more fun facts about the election process that I certainly never knew. And uh, this one came to me from Steve Vladek, the uh, Texas law professor. He worked out... So, so part of this was that there were some people saying, well, the president hasn't conceded. Should we be able to call somebody a president-elect? And that, it, you know, it doesn't actually matter whether somebody concedes an election, they win or lose, and that's what happens. So a lot of folks said, well, actually, you should just start calling Biden the president-elect now. But here's something insane about the way in which the United States government operates. According to Steve Ledeck, who tweeted this the other day, for the purposes of Section 3C of the Presidential Transition Act of 1963, president-elect, in quotes, is the apparent successful candidate as ascertained by the administrator of the General Services Administration. So the administrator of the General Services Administration, which is a job that you probably didn't know existed. I didn't, but I would assume it's some sort of a career position. It is is not. This is a a political appointee, and this person's job is basically to administer federal buildings and stuff like that. But for the purposes of this law, this person has the job of saying... 
there's a new president-elect, therefore we can authorize federal money to be spent on the task of transitioning mm -hmm. the administrations because we use federal money to do stuff like bring in the person who will be the next secretary of state to meet the old one sure. and learn what's going on and get a handle on things. It's a, It costs money and that requires government to come in and make determinations. Uh, it requires resources, whatever. Uh, as it turns out, when Professor Vladek put this up, this was just kind of a fun FYI for people oh, wondering about the words. Oh, it's going to get ugly, isn't it, it? Unfortunately, the administrator of the General Service Administration is currently not authorizing the release of funds and is towing the line that they don't know who won the election and therefore won't spend any money. Well, can't the Biden campaign sue for specific performance in this instance? It, it seems to me like... You know, the election's been called by every news organization. Fox yeah. News called it. it. We're done. Go home. Uh, yeah. Uh, We're but, done. But at this point, we don't have a way to force anybody to do anything. Well, that's, that's uh, literally like, what yeah. our court system is for, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. One would think that would be what you could I mean, maybe they're just for. trying to wait her out. Yeah. But I mean, <sighs> but that's what that that is where we are. So so you learned something today. I learned something today. Yeah, there is a person whose job it is to do this, and they're and, not doing it, and they are not. That, um, that is, it's a kind of a metaphor yes, for the last several yes, years. Yeah, um, it, it is a hundred percent unsurprising, and yet surprising all at the same time. Yeah, actually, who is the administrator? It, it's a lawyer from from St. Louis, University of Virginia. So uh, T14 law, law school. T14 law school. Uh, T14 law school grad refuses to do their job. Appears to not have worked in private practice at any point. Uh, appears to have gone directly into working for the Republican National Committee when uh, she got out. So Emily Murphy, the lawyer who's holding everything up. So with that. Actually, that's a great title for T14. The, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So there we are. You know, before we talk, I think we should talk a little bit more about the lawyers as they are involved in mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. going forward. But before we do that, it's important to know that the economy is still is still not great. Yeah. And well, I mean, the stock market did take a, a big jump up today, the first day since Biden was declared the winner of the election. I mean, stability is good for markets and uh, vaccine that appears to have 90% effectiveness Woo! is also good. That said... With the economic ongoing crisis, have you ever wondered how law firms weathered previous economic downturns and came out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. You know, I saw somebody uh, on social media who said, you know, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but Pfizer waiting to a week after the election to say that they have a vaccine with a 90% efficacy rate was yeah, Yeah. Well, because you've got to assume they had at least an inkling that this was sure. what was going to happen. And they didn't sure, and these do things it. do not come out of nowhere. Yeah. And they didn't do it because they didn't want to have an impact. And I think or, that's... Or maybe they didn't have enough data until whatever. I don't know. The specifics, I don't want to speculate, but for once, timing appears to have worked out for us. So the lawyers who are now involved, there's some people who would say that we've now reached the phase of the election that it's in the hands of the lawyers and courts. In reality, we've That's reached the phase, phase of the election that it's over. That is not um, a phase. Yeah, that is not it, a thing. It, it, I mean, this is not 
remotely close enough based on the data we have to suggest that this is about lawyers. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about a place that is really a symbol from an intellectual property perspective, a symbol of class and luxury. And of course, I'm talking about Four Seasons landscaping in between a crematorium and an adult bookstore. That has been one of, no, 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 Gritty has been my favorite part of the post-election. God, Gritty's amazing, isn't he? I mean, you know, listen, we we are both hockey fans anyway, so I think that we have much more of an appreciation for that world, even though I'm not a a Flyers fan. Well, right, because the Flyers suck. Let's go Rangers. I hear you. But- but I, there's a, there's an appreciation, there's an ethos of hockey fans that I think Gritty was born of that I really do like and I really do appreciate. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's been my very favorite part of the post-election. But Four Seasons Landscaping is not a bad one. Yeah. Four Seasons Landscaping uh, is where Rudy Giuliani and a bunch of Republican lawyers decided to hold their we're going to challenge the vote in Pennsylvania Meeting, but the location uh, actually is what became the story. Yeah, which the is location became a lot the of story fun. because it was originally we're going to do this at the Four Seasons, and everyone somewhat assumed that they meant the hotel, the hotel, because mm-hmm. uh, that's it, a traditional location for. A press although conference. I don't know why people did think that. I I find it hard to imagine that this administration would give money to a hotel that wasn't owned by Donald Trump. But still, sure. that was what people thought. It turned out to be a, like a more or less abandoned parking lot. Just fantastic, you know. Kansas law professor, uh, since we're just going through law professor tweets, which I got to admit is something we've spent a lot of time doing over the last few (laughs) days. Uh, Kansas law professor Corey Rayburn Young uh, tweeted out, does this maybe make Four Seasons hotels wonder, maybe we should have been more aggressive in protecting our IP. (laughs) Uh, And and it's true, right? uh, Although it makes total sense that a landscaping company would be called Four Seasons because you literally have to winterize your yard. Yeah. And, you know, let's be fair. Intellectual property is not a, you know, license for somebody to own a name across every possible industry. Four Seasons hotels do not do landscaping. And theoretically, this mark should be allowed for people who do do landscaping. That said, um, yeah, that said, (laughs) does feel like uh, what happened here. I, well, and, and, you know, honestly, if I were Four Seasons, the hotel, my argument would be, yeah, we don't have a claim to this vis-a-vis landscaping, but we certainly have a claim to this vis-a-vis events hosting. Yeah. And at the point that you've now entered into the events hosting business, this is our yeah, business. That is not a terrible legal argument. And, and, and yeah. and or, I, or just commit not to be in the event hosting business But deep again. down, the, the question— Because did you see, like, the owners were like— we would accept any presidential campaign who wanted to host an event in our space. Yeah, which which may be true or may not. But uh, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if that were true. If somebody called me and said, we want to host a rally <laughs> in your parking lot, and I was, you know, a landscaping company between a crematorium and an adult <laughs> bookstore, yep. I'd be happy. Sure. I really, this is a great venue for that. I, I really want the oral history to come out that explains who took the call, <laughs> how much they quoted. Uh, I, I, wanna, I hope they charged Four Season Hotel rates for this. Like this. I mean, that's that's a great question. and and But you have to imagine, was the Trump campaign staffer who booked it being like, we've got a great deal on the Four Seasons, you guys. I called the Hilton, the Hyatt. <laughs> Four Seasons is only going to charge us two grand. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me, that just tickles me imagining what that would be like. Yeah. And, and certainly they probably sat down, 
they got this quote, they typed up without even thinking, they typed up fast and furious some some contract that's like, oh, okay, it's 2000. Mm-hmm. We, we got to get this signed before anybody rethinks it over. And, you know, yeah. But if you work with contracts and don't use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on Contract Tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. So, yeah. This has been an exciting time Mm -hmm. for attorneys. Uh, There have been numerous lawsuits filed. Uh, Actually, you mentioned Gritty earlier. Mm -hmm. I've now seen a meme that brings everything full circle of Gritty responding to Trump's lawyers with the line, 12B6. Uh, (laughs) And now the, the, the small small desiccated heart in me that really just loved SovPro has uh, finally been uh, validated. My, my favorite lawyer line that I have saw on social media was um, a non-zero number of Republican observers. <laughs> oh, wasn't that a thing? Yeah. Was, that, was, that was definitely a thing that, I mean, in the excitement of the last few days that I think has been really blown over, which is really a shame because, you know, when a, a judge asks you, how many Trump campaign observers are watching the vote count and a lawyer responds, a not zero number. I mean, that is fantastic. At least they weren't lying to the judge because, you know, consequences. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the issue here, right? So mm-hmm. so this was a hearing about observers and the campaign. Right, I think it was camp- the 10 feet versus six feet. It, it is the decision that ultimately became yeah. the 10 foot versus six foot limit. But the original request was like, well, we need to have observers in there. And when they went before a judge and said, we need observers, and the judge was like, well, wait a minute, so you don't have observers? They said, (laughs) well, there's a non-zero number. Uh, And when told that there actually were observers in there said, well, then what are we doing here? Uh, Which makes sense. But but this is the, like you were saying, this is the problem. At a certain point, when people's Mm -hmm. licenses are on the line talking to a judge, they have to pull back from some of the more bold claims that you're seeing. Yeah. Former ATL columnist uh, Kaylee Mac- and, yeah. Dark, dark period of our ATL oral history. But no, but but it's obviously bigger than that. You know, there's a Foley and Larder partner, Cleta Mitchell, who was on Fox News this weekend say, talking about widespread voter fraud, talking about how dead people are voted, people who have uh, mo- people who have crossed state lines to vote are really a problem. But uh, the reality is in all of the lawsuits that have been filed, there are no allegations of widespread fraud. The best allegations are of discrete, small issues. Uh, and, and in every election, there are some issues that doesn't mean someone had an intent to violate any laws or that any laws were actually violated, right? I think that one of the examples that the Trump campaign brought up about people, quote unquote, crossing state lines turned out to be military families. Yeah. So military families who were were transferred, uh, you know, after amongst the voting process, which is a thing that happens in the military. Yeah. That's not some. That's not. I hear it's kind of their job. Right. It's quite literally their job. They go places. You know, and and obviously, you know, in terms of dead people voting, there's early voting, there's mail-in voting. People can die within that process, particularly when an unchecked pandemic is raging across our country. Right. And and even if you take the stance that 
voting early should still mean that if you die before, then it shouldn't count, which I think is a bad standard. But even if you sure. take that standard, I know Wisconsin, and frankly, it's only Wisconsin gonna, I know, does. What? It's only going to hurt the party that depends on older people, by and large, as a matter of generally actuarial speaking, math. Yeah. yeah, yeah, generally speaking. But if you take all of these things, mm-hmm. you're talking about what? 1,000 votes tops in a state, probably not even that. Right. Uh, Not enough to switch and flip an election. Yeah. Certainly not at these margins. Like Florida 2000, where it was 500 some odd votes, maybe. Sure. But even then, it it was a bit of a stretch. The the bigger problem there were ballots. In 2000. In 2000. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Even then, it was more the votes that we knew happened that people decided they weren't going to count. Right. It was more of an issue. But even at that, like you're talking about such small numbers in elections that are, as of this recording, being decided 20,000, 40,000 mm-hmm. margins. Yeah. Like it's just not. It's just not. And also, it should be noted, those are not fraud, right? Right. right no right. one no one cast those ballots with any intent to commit fraud. Those were cast at the time legally, uh, whether or not they should count, whatever. But those that is not some massive Democratic-led issue of fraud. So this big law partner that you're yeah. talking about, yeah. um, you Clearly have thoughts? Sure. I mean, listen, she's not the first time that she's been written up in Above the Law. She was noted for being an anti-gay rights crusader. She is a, the lawyer for Steve Bannon's PAC uh, and has fought to keep their donor role secret. Mm. Um, so very much a, a true believer in terms of the right wing causes. And I just think that going on Fox News without any specific evidence and parroting lines that the president uh, and the his campaign have had about voter fraud is a lower bar. It's just literally the only standard is can you keep a straight face while you're on camera as opposed to actually having to stand up in front of a judge and make arguments and have an actual burden of evidence yeah. Uh, and proof. And we should not allow these claims to be repeated without checking them in real time as much as, as, as possible. And if it can't be done in real time, as shortly thereafter. You these know, claims are untrue. There's been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. If the Democrats did try to commit voter fraud, they did a terrible job of it. And the difference between uh, top ballot and lower ballot races, not going for both for Democratic candidates is an example of how... If this was fraud, it was a shitty job of it. Right, right, right. Uh, and and those, and listen, I got into a, a long argument over the weekend with someone I grew up across the street from, someone I would characterize as a deliberately low information voter uh, who just believes, well, this is very strange that now there are all these ballots for Biden. See, and- this is the sort of person who should have listened to our podcast with Rick Hassett. Sure. In which all of this sure. was this previewed. Is, this person's not listening to our podcast in any event. Yeah, I, yeah I that's, that's probably you. fair. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so I have a question, which I think okay. um, I don't fancy myself as much. Like I said about 12B6, I was the Civ Pro guy. Sure. Not necessarily everything else. I don't know exactly the state of play as far as what states and jurisdictions follow model rules mm. or whatever when it comes to ethics. But it strikes me that... If you're in Washington, D.C. and fancy an ethics challenge and complaint, this seems like this woman would be ripe for that. Because even though she's not talking to a judge, if she's going out and saying things that she would not be willing to swear to, that she knows are lies, uh, that that undermines the faith in the legal profession. Uh, and I know that at least in some jurisdictions – just doing stuff that undermines faith in the legal profession is a 
disciplinary offense. And and the actually on Fox News, the host asked, are you just trying to cast doubt on the process? Because remember, Fox has, in fact, called the election, right? Yeah. And she did not answer that. She just pivoted to, well, we need to make sure that every vote, every legally cast vote is counted and only the legally cast votes. That, that kind of go-to line that the Republicans yeah. have sort of found themselves doing now uh, is is the only answer. Which is, you know, the thing that was already happening. Right. Uh, it, that, that also was a disturbing over the weekend issue. There was a petition that went straight to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. uh, out of Philadelphia to try and stop the counting or whatever, or start the counting, whatever. They, I, start the count, start, stop yeah, the count. Right. It depends whether or not they were ahead or behind at the, the veep, moment. The Veep which, argument. Anyway, It the, is disturbing how much Veep seems to have exactly known what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, I, absolutely. So, but that part, and Justice Alito, rather than dismissing it out of hand as one should have, wrote this mean like salty opinion that basically ordered everybody to keep counting ballots, which is what they were already doing. So that Mm -hmm. wasn't even in dispute. I mean, the whole thing kind of reads as an advisory opinion, which seems problematic. I I mean, you weren't supposed to do that. Yeah, like to the extent that there is no harm that is being articulated, I don't understand why he was doing anything. I, I guess they're trying to phrase it as though it's some sort of injunctive relief argument. But like it, it wasn't like it was it was what was already happening. And when it's already happening and there's no allegations of it not happening, it really is problematic and, and indicative of the way in which Justice Alito specifically has mm-hmm. staked out ground as someone who deliberately does not care about the Constitution law order. Generally. <laughs> um, Tell us how you really feel. I, I mean, look, it, it's it's not even all that's you know, controversial, I don't think. And I'm not altogether sure he would think it's controversial. I think <laughs> I that, think he would think that he doesn't care about the law is a controversy. I, look, I mean, the most famous gif of him is this guy at the uh, State of the Union saying that's not true when the was, fact of fact, the Constitution true. is being explained to him. Uh, I don't think he cares. I think he falls into that kind of Adrian Vermeule of Harvard uh, worldview that is goes beyond originalism and just says that actually the answer is we should have a theocracy. And I think that, uh, which is what Vermeule says, uh, which is certainly a take. And I think <laughs> that, uh, that that's what you're dealing with here. But yeah, it, it read as an advisory opinion. It was problematic. Yeah. I thought there was another ad read coming. Oh, no. Um, wow. There, I mean, there is another ad read coming, but that wasn't the setup for it. Uh, but I love that you had gotten yeah. to the point where you just stop stop adding more because you think I've laid the trap. Well, I don't want to like – it has happened before where you're you're not really making an argument. You're just trying to set the setup right. for an ad read, and so I don't want to step on that. No, I mean, I get it, but, but like – there's there's like y- your desire to keep the conversation going and your desire to let me do the ad read and they're kind of in conflict sometimes but sometimes yeah. there's a third way looking for a new a true <laughs> alternative <laughs> looking for a true alternative to LexisNexis or Westlaw you could save thousands this year if you switched to Case Text over 7000 law firms from solos to 40% of the Amlaw 100 use Case Text for legal research above the law podcast listeners can go to HTTP colon slash slash, you know how it begins, casetext.com slash above the law podcast to try case text for free for two weeks. For $65 per month, you'll get access to 50 state and federal case law, statutes, and more with zero out of plan fees. 
free for two weeks at casetext.com slash above the law podcast. So there you go. You, you, you played me there. I did. Or did I play myself? I did. I Look, I, I didn't. I was still working on what my transition <laughs> was going to be. And then it just. I handed it to you. you yeah. Look, that, I mean, th- that's what I think is the, the real challenge of this job is coming up with a way to <laughs> seamlessly enter these ad reads in a way that you know keeps the People keeps everyone interested. on their toes yeah. and interested. You know? Yeah. I, uh, two points. Mm, two okay. points to Gryffindor. Are you a Gryffindor? Is that your house, you think? Uh, well, I mean, whenever there's one of those things to, like, test what your house is, uh, it, it always ends up Gryffindor. You know, back when we believe, yeah. when we listened to her. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I've always been told it was Gryffindor when I take those sorts of quizzes. I've always been a tie. Hufflepuff? <laughs> and Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that makes sense. I kind of, I feel like I've, I've, at first, I was annoyed that I kept on testing into uh, Hufflepuff, but I've, in recent years, have leaned Embrace in. It. I'm a Hufflepuff. It's okay. Yeah, you are. It's yeah. okay. Listen, me and Cedric Diggory. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie was always a Ravenclaw tester. I know. Oh, we had Bobby. these conversations. Um, yeah. yeah. No. No, I'm but a Hufflepuff. it just always comes I'm out a, Gryffindor that, for you, me. You can also tell I'm a Hufflepuff because I am the one who writes the most stories at AboveTheLaw.com. Okay. I don't know why that helps, but cool. Because... because uh, Hufflepuff puts their nose down and does the job that has to be done. Okay, because you're okay. That's fair. I'm I'm a churner. That's right, and I I don't write quite as many, but they are you know widely lauded and amazing because like a <laughs> oh. true hero. I uh yeah. Oh, no. I just I keep on doing that. Mm, I just set enough. you up. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it, hey, that's the sort of teamwork that a hot, true Hufflepuff <laughs> teamwork offers. makes the dream work. Anyway, all right. I don't know how. What happened? What happened here? <laughs> how did we get into a weird Harry Potter podcast? I know, and it's so sad that I can't really enjoy those books anymore. Yeah, eh, you know, it makes me sad. There are a lot of authors that you don't necessarily like that outside of their art, I suppose. Whatever. So we can probably wrap this up, right? Yeah. I, I mean, who for knows now. what next week will bring? Yeah. No. Um. We'll see. Um. But for now. Steve Kornacki gets to sleep uh, and uh, the rest of the world can move on. And we will be back next week. Uh, We're going to continue with this structure of having our episodes come out uh, on Wednesdays. So get ready for that. If you've been waiting for ever for with bated breath for the Tuesday release, it's going to be an extra day. But, you know, we think it's going to be worth it. You should be reading above the law always. You should be listening to this podcast uh, through some downloading service. And if you are, you should be subscribed to it. Don't just seek us out when, you know, from time to time. You should be uh, subscribed. It helps us. Let us slide into your phone's auto downloads. I I don't know why that sounded dirty, but sure. Yeah, do that. (laughs) Uh, You should uh, give us reviews, stars, write something that helps more people find the show. You should also be listening to The Jabot, Catherine's podcast about diversity issues in law. You should be checking out the Legal Tech Reporters Roundtable I, at some point, I'll figure out what the like official. It's weird that you're on a podcast every week and don't know what it's called. Well, the thing is, it it has this really long, hyper technical name, and and I like it. It's not as punchy a an easy to remember name, and that's 
I, I call it happy hour. I don't think anybody else does. Uh, but where legal or you can, when you watch Joe get drunk for an hour, sort of. But well, I mean, it's it's the legal tech reporters Friday get around uh, from all the different outlets, and we just kind of chat about what legal tech has brought that week, which is a niche interest I know in law, but it's one that uh, is you know. It's cool. Well, it's near and dear to your heart. It is. Anyway, so listen to that. You should listen to the other offerings from the Legal Talk Network. You should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, uh, the numeral one. And with all that said, uh, thank you, as always, to Contract Tools by Paper Software. And we have Thank you for listening. And and thank you, listeners, for taking time to listen. We will be back Chat at you you next week. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.